this episode of the House of Birds podcast. We are your hosts. This is Nicole, and I am joined this week again with Armani. What's up, guys? And Dexter. What's going on, everybody? And this week, once again, we're back to shoot the shit about Paint Sundays Black, all of the black things that people watch pretty much on Sundays, including a great Friday show. Well, I don't even know if it's great anymore, but we'll get into that. Before we jump into it, what do you guys, are you guys watching anything that does not fall into what we're talking about and or sleepers? Just anything that you guys have been watching, anything new, interesting, good out there in the world to share with the people? There's always anything something worth to watch. Watching. Always something to watch, right? Yeah, I mean, there's like only a million damn paid channels at this point. Like, <laughs> there's a million different streaming services. So options are out there and plentiful. So anything new, anything that anyone stumbled upon? Dexter, anything you've stumbled upon that you want to share? I watched Raised by Wolves, the first episode. It's a Ridley Scott directed episode. It's interesting. I don't even know how to explain it without spoiling it. Is this, I guess, do I spoil it? We can, you can. I mean, that's what we do. <laughs> I know, but I don't want to spoil it. Like, I don't want to tell people what I'm watching. Just spoil that. We're not even talking about it. Like, I will say this: Raised by Wolves is a show about extinction of the planet and them having an arc. It involves an arc and it involves androids being sent by atheists to a planet that is destitute, (laughs) that doesn't have anything on it. They raise human children um, and check it out. I don't want to ruin it, but it's a very interesting first episode. It seems like an entire movie. Didn't you see it, Nick? Yeah, I did. Is it something that you're going to continue to watch? That took a minute. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't a very confident yes. (laughs) <laughs> Is it something that I am going to continue to watch? I'm probably going to check out that second episode. However, it's something about the show that says that I'm not going to watch it anymore after that. That sounds fair. Armani, you are you watching anything new this week, Armani? Anything that you've stumbled upon? No, I haven't been able to watch anything this week, really. Okay, that's fair. You're, are you playing anything? No. Okay, you live in that adult working life. Yeah, pretty much. Got it. I watch um, American Murder next door. Um, It was, you know, I've seen people talking about it and I've seen people saying, oh, it's like the worst thing I've ever watched. It's really not that bad. I mean, as far as crime, like shows and things that have happened in real life go, it was typical white guy kills his family. I mean, I was expecting some weird, dark, sinister plot twist and there was none. So honestly, I was quite left quite disappointed. That's on Netflix. So not really, I mean, it's not really worth watching. What was it called again? Uh, American Murder. Oh, I feel like I heard about that. Yeah. Um, it was one of those famous cases. From like- I don't even, you know what? It was, I don't even know why. Like, the, honestly, I hate to say it. And at the end of it, they say that like every day in America, three women are killed. Um, and it's typically by their spouse and or significant other. So it's really like a dime a dozen. I mean, we've heard so many cases where some dude kills his wife and his kids and like hides the body. So, I mean, there's not not really anything that I don't even know why they decided to make this into a Netflix documentary. Like there's legitimately nothing that screams, let's make a documentary about this. Nothing just overwhelming. So I kind of feel like it was a waste of my time. Um, And that's sad to say. (laughs) I mean, not that people's murder should be entertainment, but if you're going to make a documentary out of it. Gotta have some interesting facts. Yeah, like, make it be something different. Something 
worth wild. Still making my way through Ghost of Tsushima as far as playing things. It's a slower burn for me than I realized than I thought it would be. So there's that. And we started Ratchet this week, the Netflix series Ratchet. So that we will talk about on a separate podcast because it is worth speaking on, but we're just not going to do it here because uh, ain't that much melanin in that show. There's no melanin in that show now that I think about it. <laughs> no, there's melanin in that show. Where? Who? The service. Oh, the service. <laughs> All right. Well, um, it is a good show. So if you haven't started it, then definitely check it out. It's worth watching. And then we're, we will talk about it. We're going to break it up. Even though all the episodes are out, we're going to break it up into a couple different podcasts. So it's, you know, we can we can chat about it and it's consumable. But all right, let's jump into our Sunday show or, you know, our weekly Sunday show. So let's start with Lovecraft Country. This is episode seven. Episode seven of what? Ten, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's three more episodes left. It starts off, it's the Hippolyta heavy episode that we've kind of been waiting for. And it starts off with her having that key thing that she's had for a while that Elizabeth is looking for. And she's trying to figure out what the hell it does and what it's, you know, supposed to do. And eventually she gets it to work. <laughs> and it's in, it gives her a key. Where did she originally get that? <laughs> it was inside her husband's it was inside george's bookstore okay that's where he had had it the entire time and elizabeth thinks it was in that house that leticia bought is where she thinks it is but it's been in george's bookstore she gets it and it takes her to a location that she goes that she usually you know she says she's going to go to and the same time tick and leticia are like well you know we want to go somewhere too because we want this piece of the puzzle can we borrow the truck your you know your van she's like fuck y'all no. They have the nerve to ask her that while she's pulling out the driveway. Exactly. <laughs> the audacity of these Negroes. <laughs> so, Yo, we need the car. Like, could you imagine telling your mom, your mom, I need the car. <laughs> right now. And she's pulling out the driveway already. <laughs> like, if y'all don't get y'all asses away from me. <laughs> that's literally, I loved it because that was the look on her face. Like, if y'all don't get from around here, kick them to the curb and told them, you can take the bus wherever you got to go. And she went on about her business. And it took her to essentially the time machine that everyone's been looking for. And I loved this scene because we've heard about, in an earlier episode, Hippolyta was talking to, when she took Diana, and they all went to the astronomy place or the um, planetarium, when they went to the planetarium. And she was telling her how she had won that science thing and she got to name a star. But because they didn't want to publish that a black girl named it, they put in the paper that the white girl named it when she was in school. So we've heard about how smart she is and her love for science. And then we get to see it in this episode when she was doing the math equations, trying to figure out the planetary alignments and how this stuff should work. And I thought that was pretty awesome to get to to see her shine on her own. She is doing all of this and these two white cops roll up on her or roll up in there because the thing is like making noise and doing whatever it does. Now, kind of on the other side of things before we progress there. So Tick finds out that he, that him and Letitia were talking and they realized they're having the same dreams about his ancestor running out of that house while it's burning down. Oh, yeah. And their dreams, while not exactly the same, are kind of crossing paths like they're overlapping each other. And in Letitia's dream, she sees herself running out of there and she's pregnant. So we're getting possible foreshadowing that Letty might end up pregnant by Tick. Not really surprising. Cool. Um, but she sees her carrying a book. And I could have sworn Tick's... I thought in Tick's dream she was carrying the book as well. 
I thought that's how Tick got out the house. He is. She let him out the house. Okay, when so it was, yeah. She had let him out the house. She's seeing it in the dream. And that's when they're like, okay, well, she had this book. So maybe the book of names is still out there. And we need to figure this out and see if anyone else on your mom's side has this book possibly passed down. Where is it? He finds out that his mom has a cousin that is still alive or has survived the Tulsa riots. So we get another historical, a real historical event that's mentioned in the show. The Tulsa burning down Black Wall Street is mentioned. So his family was there for that. And that's where his people came from or were his mom's people anyway. So he that's where he was going. He was going out there to try to get in touch with the cousin to see if he could find this book. And he gets out there finds out the cousin's no longer alive, but he finds some people that she lived with or were close with. And she's asking them like, hey, have you seen this book? And he was, she was like, you know, I remember her talking about going on about some book or whatever. But so he's looking for the book. How the hell did he make it to politics so fast? Because when shit starts going off for her, he pops up like super quick. So I was just like, um. He ran. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was a little confused too. I'm going to. I'm going to look into that because I'm not 100% sure. I thought about it as well. And I don't understand. Like, he was just asking for the car, right? Yes. Great. He took, <laughs> I mean, he took the bus wherever he went. But like you said, so he's on foot. Like, how, how did he get to her so quickly was just interesting. And seemed like a, a drop in continuity. But okay. Actually, one thing that happened earlier in this episode was... uh. Tick and Letitia going to his dad's, and they see him there with Sammy. Oh, yeah. I told that totally skipped out of my mind. <sighs> I didn't, didn't skip him. I was just letting you go. <laughs> this was, that was an interesting, and it was, it was an interesting scene because you have his dad and Sammy were arguing because the neighbor had seen Sammy, and of course his dad's been, is in the closet. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was a whole back and forth. It was interesting how, <laughs> how he was acting. You know, what I, I experienced him. What did he say to him? He said, every time we get close, you make a point to let me know that you don't care about me. Yeah. And he was going in on him off of every every single thing. Like, we had to watch the scene for 25 seconds, and he had been going in on him. I think he might have said four or five things to him. Yeah. <laughs> and it was definitely from a place of fear, because it's like, oh, shit, now my neighbors see me. I'm going to be outed. And that's really where it was coming from. So it was like, trying to push Sammy away to an extent. But yeah, that was interesting. And then as Sammy's leaving, Tick and Letitia see him and Tick called him the F word. He was like, did my mom know? And he's like, well, yeah, she knew. But he, he should have told him, he was like, yo, don't ever call me out my name like that again. Like, I don't give a shit. I'm your dad. You're going to respect me regardless. The fact that he had such a, you know what? When they went outside and Tick made the comments to Letitia, and he was just like, he used to beat me when I was little. And I used to think it was because he was trying to teach me something or whatever. And it was really, now he feels like he was beating him to make sure like he didn't end up like him or like. And that was Yeah, because what he said was he was beating him so he wasn't soft. Yeah, and that whole time knowing that, you know, he was gay. Not that you should equate being gay with soft, but obviously that's what Tick equated the two with. Him and his dad just don't, This I don't, it's, it's going to suck when he finds out his dad's been hiding shit from him. 
So if there is a season two, I don't necessarily see his dad being in it. I feel like he might die at the end of the season. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think he can get any better for them at this point. Yeah, he's gonna find out that's not his dad. <laughs> oh my! That'd be even no, worse. he's not. No, what's isn't, didn't his uncle tell him that's not his dad? He said he might not be. Oh. Yeah, remember at his deathbed, uh, I had a conversation with someone and they brought that to my attention. They said on his deathbed that that's what happened. That they had a conversation and I went back and I watched it and it doesn't necessarily say that the uncle is the dad because that was what the person had said to me. They were like, oh no, they think you, I think the uncle is the dad. And I was like, really? And I went back and looked at it and they didn't really necessarily say that. However, they did make it a point to tell you that he might not even be his kid. And then he was like, I thought we talked about this. and You better shut up. And he was like, look, you're about to be the only person in his life. So that's an interesting caveat in itself. They yeah. have all types of trauma. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that'll play a part later on in this series then. But back to Hippolyta and Black Girl Joy, um, that we get to see where her. Because then her and Tick get pulled into this time machine and she ends up in some weird alternate dimension with black aliens. Mm-hmm. It's like a whole different world. <laughs> yeah. So I don't even know. It wasn't even really a time. Was it a time machine or is it like, it like a dimension machine? Yeah. yeah. So they ask her to name herself. And so we get to go on this Hippolyta realization journey where she's working through her, her stuff. And we get to see her go back and, you know, dance and hang out with Josephine Baker and live her best life in Paris. That was fun to watch. Then we get to see her as Warrior Hippolyta. So these are the previews that I was seeing and that I had said earlier that I thought was going to be some Wonder Woman reference since Hippolyta is Wonder Woman's mom's name and her daughter's name is Diana. That didn't flesh out, so... (laughs) (laughs) I'm sad. (laughs) Like, I thought there was going to be a point to that. There wasn't. There's not. It just... Okay. Coincidence, I guess. Not coincidence. I'm pretty sure, like, it was chosen for a reason, but whatever. Not the reason I was hoping for. So we get to see her being a warrior and training and, like, finding herself. And then we get to see her, you know, get to be with George one last time um, and hang out and, like be more than just his wife like they went and explored together and did things so that was pretty that was nice i i liked the way that that played out for her wasn't when she woke up with george wasn't that the beginning of the show wasn't how lovecraft started yes the scene with them waking up Mm -hmm. okay yeah that's how the series started i liked it i wasn't i wasn't mad at it i feel like it will come into play because like we've talked about before all of these episodes are discovery and backstory episodes they're all fucking origin stories for everybody so we've gotten hers and we see her coming out of it as a stronger person which i'm sure will play more into whatever happens at the end and then we're getting this culmination at the end of the day of everyone knows magic exists everyone knows shit is like like when everyone has to come back together and have this conversation because we get ruby and leticia kind of made up because Leticia didn't go with Tick. She stayed so her and her sister could talk and go over things and and make up. And then she overhears Leticia on the phone in the previews or whatever. So she knows that her, she now knows that Leticia knows more than she's let on. We get, Hippolyta now knows all the stuff she knows. When all of these people come together in one room after this, so I'm really interested to see what the hell is going to happen next episode. Because we're going to have to have some conversations. I was like, something got to shake now at this point. Yeah. We're on episode 8 out of 10. 
Well, Tick is still <laughs> in the... Sorry, we didn't cut you. No, no, what saying? He's still what? Tick is still in the time machine thingy. They didn't show what happened to him. No, he came out at the end. He came out at the end, but it didn't seem like he came back to his proper place. Like, they didn't show his experience in there, though. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? They just showed what she did, and they just showed him coming back. If we really have to sit through a whole episode of whatever the fuck he went through, I'm going to be so irritated. (laughs) Well, we we likely don't have to sit through a whole episode of what he went because we know a little bit of his backstory. We know what he... Like, his backstory is sort of the same backstory as Gia's. So they can just come back and, you know, tie those things in. They don't really have to go a whole episode, I don't think. I really hope not, because I don't really want to see it. <laughs> yeah, but you wanted to see the one that... You wanted to see Wonder Woman, huh? I did. I, I mean, I I wanted to see some Wonder Woman-esque shit. I got enough of it. I got her kicking ass and taking names. They killed a bunch of white people. Like, that was one of her Jesus. things. <laughs> when she when she was... No, I'm just saying, that was her thing. Like, when she was with Josephine Baker and she was talking about how she feels like they she's been made to feel, like, less and that basically somehow oppressed she felt and she was saying she wanted to kill white people. That's how she right. felt like she... Because that's how they've been treated and that's what she's watched. And then she gets put in this period as a warrior where that's what they're doing. It, it was very cathartic, um... I'm assuming for her. So she's going to come back and not be want to take nobody's shit and hear no lies no more, for sure. Um, any any thoughts on love? How are y'all feeling about Lovecraft at this point? What are y'all looking for? Um, forward to Armani? I'm, I'm looking forward to a reason or for some kind of plot now. Like, where are we going? Because I just feel, I just feel like, again, there's not enough time left. There's not enough episodes left to really give us a full fleshed out story that's not gonna just be a cliffhanger at the end. I feel like they're either gonna leave us on a cliffhanger or unsatisfied. Uh, Dexter, what are you feeling? I agree. I think that it's one of those things where if you are expecting everything to close out, you are sadly mistaken because they haven't shown you any evidence of that. So what I think is likely going to happen, what I think was likely going to happen is they're going to just give us more story. I don't know. I don't even know how, how it works these days because nowadays on HBO, at least, they will give you a season and not give you anything after that. So I'm hoping that if they don't close it out, they at least get a chance to continue it. If it ends like this and it doesn't have anything else, I would I would be shocked if it didn't close if it closed out right. I would be shocked if it closed out correctly. I guess we will find out in three more episodes. Um so moving on, next up on the docket is Fargo. So hey, hey, hey. Fargo season four just started. So Dexter, you wanna talk about Fargo season four? Yeah, we'll talk about Fargo. Season four is different than the other three seasons. Um, This is a show on FX. Uh, It's been away for three years. Um, Now it's back with the lead of Chris Rock. Um, The previous seasons were all in pretty much in Minnesota and the surrounding areas of like North Dakota, South Dakota, um, North Dakota, which is where Fargo is. Um, This one is a little bit different. They had some... Uh, rumblings with the Kansas City mob in a few of the previous seasons. However, this is about the Kansas City mob. It's set in Kansas City in 1950. I'll just get right to it. Basically, it's about Chris Rock uh, coming from Jim Crow South. Everybody leaves and comes to this area 
to kind of get a new start. And when the story starts, it's basically the Jewish mob. I think it's the Moskowitz Syndicate. They are running Kansas City. Then you have the Irish, who they do a deal with. You explained it to me best. You said, essentially, they switch kids to provide trust. Was that what you said? Yeah, the different heads of the, the different families, they t- to be able to learn about each other and to establish, like, okay, no one's going to do anything crazy. They initially started where they were, they were switching off their... Uh, youngest born your youngest kids so like the jewish family sent their youngest kid to live with the irish's youngest kid um yeah it was the irish it was the jewish in the irish at first yeah and then the irish the, the milligans <laughs> they uh they betrayed the jewish syndicate and then mm-hmm. once they were in power the italians came the fadas and <laughs> they did the same thing to the milligans and now you fast forward to chris rock swapping his only son Yes. With, with the Italian family who has multiple sons, one of them who ends up being the underboss, another one who is currently in Italy until something happens to their dad. It's interesting how, you know, the switching of the sons worked because the they use the sons in both double crosses <laughs> in two different ways. Like one of them, they used the son and they went back and they used him to double cross but then the other one they used they took the oldest kid instead of mm-hmm. the youngest kid so that oldest kid came back <laughs> with a vendetta <laughs> and they yeah. wiped out everybody very interesting um plot in the way that you know they have each other's kid so now you have the italian family raising a black child while you have black family raising this Italian son. And it seems like the raising of the Italian son is completely mismatched from the raising of the black kid. Um, I don't think it's surprising at all. Nah, but however, they do make a point to let you know that Italians are not seen as just white people to everyone else. They still have a certain prejudice that they deal with in that time period as well. They're not welcome in Kansas City either. Mm-mm. I think an interesting like historical note here in speaking about that, besides Black people being persecuted and killed um, and mass amounts, there was in New Orleans a event that happened that involved a lynching of a whole bunch of Italians. They broke into a jail and they fucking drug out all the Italians and they murdered them. So them, and which is which is always interesting because this country is founded on the whole, you know, send us, you're tired, you're broken, you're hungry, as far as happily we welcome immigrants. But all the immigrants that have come over here have been freaking persecuted in some way. And then it's like they want to hate on other minorities and other immigrants. It's like, yo, don't know, they don't want you here just as much as they don't want us here. And Chris Rock, there was a, t- a part where they were in the park talking, and he mentions that. He's like, oh, they don't like you neither. Like, you're not yeah. too far off from us. Entitlement is entitlement. And that's yeah. what you notice about these type of things. The youngest son or the, the son is so entitled that he's he's the live wire. You know what I mean? Like, before the other brother came, you had this the, the younger one just acting ridiculous and just speaking. And he was like, you know, they don't respect you. They don't respect you. And the dad was like, I don't think you respect them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's like, because he didn't want them to do business at all. He didn't want them to even be seen as equals. 
It's crazy, you know. It's crazy. It's interesting, though, how it worked out, how that works out. I'll, that's pretty much the gist of that part of the show. There's also another portion of the show with the young lady, Pearl. Okay. No, no, no. Her name is Ethel. I think it's like Ethel Rita Pearl. She is a biracial little girl. She's not a little girl. She's a teen. She's probably about 15 or so. Very smart young woman. She has the very interesting life of dealing with having a white dad and a black mom in mm-hmm. 1950. And she deals with all the racism. And it's interesting to see dad kind of assimilate and accept all of the things that come with that that day and age. I don't know how much we've ever seen that particular dynamic on TV. You know, it, it's and it's interesting because both her parents are really smart. Her mom and they run a funeral. They run a funeral home. She mentions that her dad caters to the white people, while her mom preaches to the colored people when they come in there and they, they do funerals and service and things like that. And Ethelreda is black presenting, so when you see her. You just think she's a black girl <laughs> and she's very smart and she's going to the school where paddling is okay to whoop somebody's child's ass and she's not even doing anything bad it's just because she is so smart and doesn't have like she doesn't play stupid for nobody so she keeps ending up getting in trouble when she, lessons yes it's when she goes <laughs> when she goes home i thought it was interesting when she asked her dad should i go around back like when she shows up home at home and there's these white people there, so they're, they're doing a service for, you know, a white family. And she's like, you know, should I go around back? And he's like, no, just go to the kitchen or whatever. And this is where Ethel Rita meets crazy or Rita Mayflower. The third part of the show. My goodness. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> the other dynamic. Um, or Rita is a nurse who is from, She she's our, like, tie-in at this point to that region. You're right. Yeah. She's a nurse from that area. I believe she did say she's from Fargo. So her first encounter with Ethelreda, she's treating Ethelreda very much like, oh, you're just another Negro. And then her dad, who enters, you know, enters stage right, has no point saying, oh, yeah, this is my daughter. And she's like, oh, okay. I, I see it now. Interesting. And then she goes into this whole thing about how the you know melanin and things like that tend to be the dominating traits or whatever so it makes sense she's like your mom must be really dark (laughs) it was just like holy shit so immediately we find out she does not bite her tongue she has no motherfucking filter and she's just gonna say whatever and that's her first you know thing with ethel rita and then we see her in the hospital so she's a nurse in the hospital and she meets with justo Yes. Jason Schwartzman. What a what a what a character. He's the uh brother that I was talking about from the Fada family. Is it Fada? Yes, the Fadas. The Fada family. Ends up in the hospital and they She kills him. <laughs> Spoiler <laughs> alert. <laughs> and then he dies. So yeah, she she straight up kills the Italian dude's dad. Like once he ends up shot and he ends up in the hospital and she goes, Okay, I think it was awesome that they went to that one hospital. And they were like, we don't treat your kind here. You need to go to the other hospital that treats colored people. And they're like, what the fuck? We have money. Treat our dad. And he's like, no, we don't treat your kind. This is a private hospital. Take y'all Italian asses over there where they treat the other immigrants and folk. And they're like, oh, we're coming back here. Don't worry. So they end up in the hospital. She kills him. He just off the bat was asking her for drugs. And she's like, okay, cool. Let's go do some drugs in, in uh, in the back office. And she gives him the drugs he's asking for. So that's like pretty, like... 
not good because he's already batshit crazy. So now he's batshit crazy, and we know he has a drug problem. Interesting show. It's only two episodes so far. It premiered last week, but they released two episodes, I believe, at the same time. So we kind of did a synopsis of both episodes just now. So catch up, y'all. And Fargo comes on Sundays at 10 on FX. So you can catch it. It's Monday. It's available on Hulu. Oh. Yes, because it comes on Sunday night, so it's available the next day on Hulu. Oh, well, good. Because I don't need another thing to watch on Sunday. (laughs) So definitely check out Fargo. I, I definitely say it's worth watching. And you don't need to have watched any of the previous seasons to just jump in here that is also worth noting because it's a good i i think this is a good season to kind of just jump in on if you don't really want to go through having to binge watch or just watch the previous ones next up on the docket after fargo we are discussing the boys man I have so many mixed feelings about the boys. We get more Homelander and fucking Stormfront being it together. And after the revelation that she, you know, is a crazy Nazi and not just someone from the 60s in the South who's racist. She's racist, racist. Like, she's Nazi racist. And now she's trying to get Homelander, who's already batshit crazy, to join her front. And he's like, okay. So we get more of them making out and killing people together. We get to see Starlight get her ass beat by Black Noir and get captured, which was interesting. He was not very nice. <laughs> he was pulling no punches. And it's crazy because it's like clearly <laughs> Black Noir's life bench. We're like, just go do this. And doesn't ask questions, doesn't need a reason. Like, you just send him in and he's going to get the job done um, by any means necessary. So he beats up Starlight and then they put her in this facility. Fortunately, she can't get out because there's no like electricity for her to draw her powers from. Hugh had got injured pretty bad when he was outside with Billy the Butcher. So they had to, you know, take him and get him fixed up and what have you. He ends up having to babysit Lamplighter, who, interestingly enough, turns out to be Sean Ashmore, who previously freeze froze things. So he went from freezing things in X-Men to burning shit up on the boys. Mm-hmm. We learn a little bit about Lamplighter's backstory of where he came from, his connection, and his connection to to them. So we see that he was previously a Voight like employee, so he knows how to get in and out of things and you know, he abandoned them or whatever. We get a little bit of his backstory, very short backstory. Because, you know, he didn't last long anyway. Because once Hugh finds out that Storm, that What's-Her-Face has been kid Starlight has been kidnapped. They go in there to break her ass out, which is successful. But in order to do so, he sets off the fire alarm. And he sets off the fire alarms with setting himself on fire. All right, we're going to pause here. Because it's like he couldn't light up the rest of the room. Like, he couldn't just set other shit on fire. Why did he burn himself? He basically, he committed suicide. Like, he committed suicide and set his entire body on fucking fire. To set off the fire alarm. Because he knew that that would activate shit in probably in the room where she was at. And that's what happened. It activated more lights. So she was able to get some powers and get the fuck out. He knew he didn't have a fear. <sighs> yeah, I, I, I guess that's what it was. He made himself he a said, He said his job was to burn things. <laughs> whatever that they failed, he just burned it. Like whatever they, they wanted to get rid of, he would just get rid of it. You know what? So I would imagine that he's probably spent his life burning people. Like and killing people. Which is pretty shitty. So I guess, yeah, he, he was probably just tired. So he commits suicide. And then we get the gratuitous violence and gore that the boys has become known for. Because 
they got in there because his handprint was able to get them past security door. In order to get the fuck out, they needed said Hugh needed said handprint again. So we sit there and we get to watch Hugh saw off his burnt, charred hand. Like we get to really see it. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> yo, we is doing the most on the boys right now. Like the boys is doing the most when it comes to all shit. extremes all extremes yeah. but they started out with extremes that's true you're right from the gate a train run over old girl <laughs> Running in the through the old girl at the beginning <laughs> that was it that was like oh this is what we're dealing with like if you had no idea we're watching they let you know right there yeah you can turn it off now if you don't like blood <laughs> like because there was a lot of blood in this episode you know there to was. go with there was we see Stormfront. well it wasn't really her idea. Homelander was telling her about his kid because she was, you know, said she had a kid who was like 80 years ago or whatever, and she's looking all sad when she sees his baby. So Homelander takes her to meet his son, and the taking her to meet his son turns into a we're gonna take my kid mission, basically. So the two of them decide right then and there they're gonna take this kid and totally being dickheads and assholes to the boy's mom and yeah there was no um they weren't being coy about it at all it was pretty clear what their mission was there poor kid's mom like she knew what was going on and she begged homelander she was like please don't take him away from me just you know he needs his mom and for a split second i thought homelander was gonna be like okay he can stay here but i'm gonna be in his life no but they turned the kid yeah come to find <laughs> the out, kids start like, yelling at the mom then yeah. oh my god homelander's such a but He's the homelander we've all grown to hate. <laughs> so yo, nothing, yo, nothing was more heartbreaking for me, and it was almost like Armani. When you go back and watch it, like pay pay attention to her face when she takes, like when they take the kid, they just fly up in the air. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And it's mm-hmm. nothing. How, how could you feel her heart had to be? You can't do shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you can't do, like, one minute your kid's there and one minute the kid is gone. It's like an eagle took your shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> These niggas is gone. It was fucked up, man. That was that was really fucked up. And, that, and when you think about, I think the thing about the boys that makes the boys almost horror in the way that they use intimidation in the boys you know what I'm saying? Because you, so far, we're this far in the show, and we still have no clue how to hurt any of these people. Oh, well, no, no. We know how to hurt Black Noir. He has a peanut allergy. <laughs> <laughs> Good segue. Great segue. <laughs> While Black Noir was whooping Starlight's ass for the umpteenth time, uh, Queen Maul comes in, and she, like, starts to take off his mask, and shoves almond joy in his mouth. Like, she's shoving shit in his mouth, and you're like, what is that? He goes to pull out an EpiPen, and she snatches it from him, and she throws it. And he's trying to get it, and she, like, kicks it away from him again or pushes it away from him or whatever. Then she he, she tells Starlight, she's like, yeah, he's got a peanut allergy. It's an almond joy. And that, to me, was, like, the funniest shit, because he has been the most toughest, kick-ass dude, and you find out, oh, he's got a peanut allergy. Something very simple. It takes his ass out of play. That shit was hilarious. I loved that scene. You know, it... Now begs the question of they've got to have, there's got to be weaknesses somewhere, and they're probably just all stupid shit like that. Minor allergies or some crazy shit. Meanwhile, A Train is, you know, or the Deep is convinced A Train to join that weird church, culty church that he joined to try to get his way back into the seven. And A Train's like, what's the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) I'd be feeling bad for A Train, yo. He's not a good person, but. 
I still feel bad for him. Life is rough. It's kind of hard because he is such an asshole. And it's just like, well, this is karma, babe. It's what you deserve. It's what you get. Yeah, just I think I'm enjoying watching him and the deep together because they're both just such lame weirdos who ended up on the outs of the seven. They're such different people. So having to watch them try to get back together because a tranquility did not like the deep at all he's like oh fuck i gotta be nice to this weirdo so that that's funny i am enjoying watching the two of them have to deal with each other and i hope it actually becomes something like i hope the two of them have to like team at some point someone besides queen mob has to make the decision to be good and do some shit and starlight's trying but there's there's gotta be a point where it's gonna be a everybody else versus homelander and stormfront is what I feel like is coming. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know if I'm enjoying watching the boys or if I'm just watching it for the sake of watching it at this point. Cause I just feel like it's just I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I I think it's one of those things where I said this before, this show is unique in the sense of it's not traditional TV. It doesn't feel like traditional TV because of I think how gory it is. So it's weird because it has its own identifier that says I'm an Amazon Prime show, mm-hmm. which means that I don't expect anything out of it. I just watch it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't I don't know where it's going, but it's different than me watching Lovecraft where I care where it's going. The boys, I just watch it because it's like watching Fear Factor. Like, <laughs> it, it, it literally is. You're like, what are we going to see next? You know what I mean? It, I don't really watch it to... I don't know. I don't I don't care where it's about to go, to be honest with you, as opposed to the other show where I'm all scrutinizing and I don't know if that's a that's fair or not. However, the boys doesn't really have to go anywhere. Just keep showing me this fuck shit and I'm good with it. <laughs> I'm just showing up for Mother Milk's t shirt at this point. Um, his t shirt game is pretty good. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> Well, that's not the only reason I'm showing up, but you know, his t-shirt game is, is still on point. All right. Well, that's it for the boys. That'll be back, of course, next week for more gratuitous violence and overt racism. Next up. Shit. Power. This, power book. Ghost. This episode was fucking pointless. It's worthless. <laughs> 60 minutes you know, of nothing. Man, it was the most useless, laziest ass I'm going to go ahead and say lazy writing. I don't normally like to say that. I don't usually like learn, use that term for things. But it was like a whole episode of what the fuck and why are we here? I Why do we need to see everyone making out the entire episode? Like, why does that? And they I were all terribly done scenes. I wish I could say it attributed to lazy writing. I feel like, you know how we have a problem with other episodes cramming into, like this, they decide they just want to have, what's this, episode four? And it's just yes. a nothing episode? Jesus. Yes. <laughs> We're going to put I, the emotional ties into one episode to make basically. you think that these people care. So all of the emotion that we're going to pull is, you know, you get to see Method Man and his chick. And you get to see, you know, Tariq having feelings for this, you know, both girls. And we get to see one of Mary J. Blige's sons, you know, who's supposed to be watching Tariq fail at his job. Um, he was supposed to be watching him to figure out how he's moving the drugs, and he follows Tariq to one class and falls in love. 
And it's like, bro, really? Wait, what you mean he fell in love? I mean, I falls in love with probably extremely probably not in love, but I mean, he he meets one piece of eye candy and ends up in his bed and totally off his task. This is why you're you can't you know this is why you can't be in charge of the family. Like you had one job was to follow Tariq. You go to an art class, you meet a boy, and then you fall down on your job and have to call your sister in to pick up where you left off. And then yeah, while you're making out with this guy you just met, so. Yeah, I mean, all that we learned from, we didn't learn, like, we didn't learn shit in this episode, in my opinion. Like, there's nothing. Did we, is there anything that we can pick up from this episode? So we had the, oh, I know we can pick up from this episode. What's that? That, that the, that the professor, she ain't got no morals whatsoever. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? She nasty. They, I wish that they only got a couple more episodes out of me. I promise y'all I'll stop watching this one. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I don't know. They're not like, gonna get me like they got me with power for nineteen seasons. <laughs> I'm not feeling it. And honestly, as much as I love Mary J. Blige, I'm not a fan of her acting. Yeah, it's just getting perpetually worse and the scenes just feel awkward and forced from episode to episode and scene to scene. So unless something drastic happens this next episode, I'm with you. This might be getting dumped because I just not interested in it at all. Terrible. This was a really, really bad episode. It was, a, it was just, it was nothing to it. We had two kisses, six sex scenes, and like none of the, none of the sex had build up. And what I mean by build up is there was no previous like part to make you say, oh, okay, they were, you could see that. They were, nobody was at dinner looking at each other or nothing like that. <laughs> nobody was sitting across the table. Nah. They just basically wanted to let you know that Method Man is screwing his paralegal or whatever. Let me not demean her. She might not be a paralegal, but he's screwing his 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 co-lawyer, his co-worker. You've got the situation with you letting us know. Like you said, it is lazy writing. Instead of them writing in something to tell you these things and giving you a story to tell you these things, what they're doing is they're just taking the story and giving it to you physically instead of doing it mentally. They're just like, hey, we're just going to... It's like gonzo porn. Mm-hmm. It just starts, and that's it. And you're like, oh. Like, they could have showed us that he was going to be gay at some point within the first three episodes. They could have showed us that Method Man was seeing his co-worker at some point within the three episodes. At least they showed us and told us, well, she's a sex addict. You know what I'm saying? So that would explain why she's had sex with him in an office, and then all of a sudden she finds him having sex in the office with someone else, and then next time she sees him in the office, she gives him some more ass. (laughs) Who does that? Like, who does that? Who goes back? after in the same place you're gonna do it on the same okay yeah i would have maybe cared a little bit more if it had been the other son that was gay but i feel like we're just pandering and playing a stereotype like you're gonna make the son who seems to be i hate these words softer but the the way they're presenting him he is the weaker son he doesn't well, he's a character the you could say they took the soft son <laughs> yeah. and made him he gay and then they took the hard rock, and he shoots guns. It's all stereotypical. However, I get art imitates life sometimes. You know what I mean? However, you know, it would be nice to just have more complex characters. Yeah, a little more creativity would be okay. Yeah. Just change up the dynamic a little bit. It's just so fucking predictable. That's what um, 
Yeah, that's Power Book. All right, so kind of in closing, because I think we've covered everything that we planned on covering. Sleepers. Sleepers. Uh, let's move on to sleepers for the week. So, Armani, what's your sleeper for the week? Uh, Sella in the Spades. It is on Amazon Prime. It stars Lovey Simone, who was Zora in Greenleaf, and she's also going to be in the remake of The Craft coming out, I believe, next year. Was next year or 2022? Uh, not pollution. But it's basically about a underground crime ring operating a high school. Okay. It's a pretty interesting movie. You guys should check it out. I have watched it. I watched it when it had premiered. It is good. I co-sign your watching Sailor in the Spades if you have not watched it. Dexter, what's your sleeper? My sleeper. Hey, actually, that movie will be out in a couple weeks. It comes out October 27, 2020. The oh. Crap Legacy. Yikes. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. And what's it going to be on? It's not Amazon, possible. Hulu, Voodoo, buy it. <laughs> but yeah, I'm interested in seeing the craft. So that's why I decided to you know, speak on that because I'm interested in seeing the craft. But it used to torture me when I was a kid. Faruza Balk chick. Is that her name? Faruza Balk or something like that? Yeah. She's like the main chick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. She creeped me out, bro. <laughs> she used to creep me out. Anyway. I'm sorry, it's my sleeper time, right? My sleeper is actually, I don't know if it's a sleeper to most, but The Haunting of Hill House. The reason why this is my sleeper is is because they will be coming out with the sequel of The Haunting of Hill House. I believe it's The Haunting of Bly Manor. Mm-hmm. That comes out next week. It is a series. Um, Haunting of Hill House is a series on Netflix. It is by my man Mike Flanagan. He did Doctor Sleep, Ouija, and I think he did Oculus. If you've ever seen Gerald's Game on Netflix. But uh, he does um, very interesting, scary stuff. This is a show about a family of five that were haunted in a house that they lived in for a short time while they were kids, but it seemed to haunt them for the rest of their life. They show it from the perspective of young kids, old kids. I mean, well, they're old, they're adults, and then it's young kids, and they kind of go back and forth to their experiences, and they do, like, you know, one episode per person. They kind of go with the next episode for another person, the next episode for another person, the next episode, and then at the end, I think it's a really great tie-in Nick, you seen it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Armani, did you see it? Yeah, I saw it. Oh, all right. Well, this is not a sleeper to y'all, but if mm-hmm. y'all haven't seen it, listeners, I think y'all should watch it. I liked it a lot. Yeah, especially with the uh, next rendition or next part coming out in a week, so not a bad idea to refresh up on that for sure. All right. Um, my sleeper for this week is One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest because <laughs> old Jack Nicholson might be my new like thing. I think I'm probably going to end up going back and doing more old Jack Nicholson movies. I did not really care for The Shining too much, but once, and then the whole reason that this came about watching this was because the character Ratchet, Nurse Ratchet, is from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. So I was like, all right, maybe it's a good idea to watch this movie before starting the show. Ain't shit really like tied in but that woman's name. Like there's no tie-in so far between the two shows. Granted, we've only, or between the show and the movie, granted we've only watched two episodes, so there could be later. But I'm not expecting it at this point. I really don't care if there is. But the movie was worth watching. It's very interesting. 1975, I believe, Jack Nicholson is an asshole in this movie, too. Like, he's hilarious. And I'm realizing why he was chosen to play the Joker in Batman. Um, he does <laughs> kind of 
just edgy, raw humor very well. And then, you know, the comment was made that Jack Nicholson just plays an asshole in everything he's in, which when you think about it is pretty accurate. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is, it was a good, it was good to uh, just kind of revisit, especially if you want an old throw, a throwback as well. I definitely would recommend checking out One Flew With Cuckoo's Nest if you have not seen it. It holds up pretty well. Also, so not a bad, not a bad flick. Go watch that, guys. Go watch that so when we talk about Nurse Ratchet, y'all understand what we're talking about. As a matter of fact, you know, we can go into how many people are in that movie, I guess, when we talk about the Ratchet episodes, because that's worth talking about in itself. Yeah, that movie had, like, the cast was, like, full of people who definitely, like, blew up later. So definitely a good jumping off point. Make sure you like rate subscribe to this here podcast share the podcast tell a friend about the podcast yeah do that first and then until next time take care of yourselves and be good to each other Bing.